1: shines like the- Let's cool. go. Singing Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I've got one response. I've got just one move. With my arms stretched wide. See song and you've got On my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs.
0: Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40 today, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse
2: 40.
0: One of these days my allergies are going to go away. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40. Today's passage is about the birth of the church the birth of the Christian church. And as we take in members today, as we take in family today, I want us to be reminded of it. I want us to notice what made this church so radically different that it grew, that it exploded, that it that it changed cultures. I, I, I want us to be reminded of why not only how they were different but why they were different what made that difference in their lives and i want us to be challenged by that would you stand in honor of god's word at this point in history christ has died rose and ascended to heaven he sent the holy spirit and it has fallen on his followers that were left peter gives the first sermon and and this is the end of that first sermon This is the beginning of the church. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Is that message still preached today? Those who accepted his message were baptized. I pray you've been baptized if you haven't seen me. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Notice what we're going to read about their devotion. And and would you just, as we're reading this, just pray and ask yourself if you're devoted to these same things, if you have these same mindsets and attitudes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray that you would speak through it and not any person up here. Lord, let it go into our hearts. Let it be the foundation that we build our lives upon. Lord, let it be the church's foundation that we move forward from. Father, order our paths. Be the head of this church, Lord. Speak to us today. We ask this in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Day one, verse 40 and 41, 3,000 people came to the faith and became a part of this church, right? For the first three centuries, for the first 300 years, it is a historical fact that the church grew explosively. I don't know if we get this, but it grew so much that it it replaced the Greco-Roman empire and that surrounding culture. It replaced the culture. I don't know about you, right? But I think most of us would want to see our cultures today replaced. The culture in America and what it's becoming, right? Right? Sometimes, though, we focus way too much on politics to do that. Here's the key. Here's how, here's how Europe was changed. Like, we're, we're, we're not just talking about cultures. We're talking about philosophies were changed, ways of thinking. Everything changed because people came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what changed everything. We need to seek that out. Keep in mind, too, it exploded at a time where there was great persecution. It was not easy to be a Christian like it is for us today. People were being disowned by their family. People were being put to death. They were being discriminated against. And it grew and spread even more rapidly. Why or how did that happen? How could Christianity be that attractive when it was that painful, right? What was the difference? I, I, I think we see this in the passage, the difference, right? The key is in verse 42. We see a people that are devoted. And all that that word means, right? The, in the Bible, the word devote means to give something away. Even in English, it means to devote something, means you, you set it apart. You set it aside, and that's the reason why some translations say, take this passage and actually say in verse 42, they gave themselves away. This group gave themselves away to learning the word of God, to fellowship, and to a number of practices that you see here, that we see here today. But beneath all of this, they gave themselves away to God and to the church, anyway, do you have your water, mono? they gave themselves away, they devoted themselves to God and each other, in other words, what made Christianity so unusual was this principle of radical unselfishness, radical unselfishness that has never been seen before on a level like this in these cultures or even in our times, right? That's the principle that we see through this passage. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Does it still happen today? How are you doing with that? Some of you don't know this, but this church's actual property, seven acres, was donated by an elderly woman for this, right? Our green van that we use every week donated to be used for ministry. (coughs) The person who did the lettering on it donated it. That was the most striking thing that stood out in this Community in this day to this culture, this radical unselfishness. Lucian of Samosa was one of the early Greek philosophers, and he did not like Christianity. He was one of the opponents of Christianity. And some of this writing tells us one of the big reasons that he did not like what we were about, right? <clears throat> and, and notice too, it was usually the people in power who didn't like Christianity, were offended by it. Lucian says this though about Jesus. He says, Their founder taught them that they should be like brothers to one another, and therefore they despise their own privacy and view their possessions as common property. Do you get that? So the chief complaint was instead of being selfish. About what they owned, their goods and their property and their power, they they not only shared it with one another, but they shared it with anyone who had need. That's the complaint. the The people who had wealth and power, right? their Their problem was Christianity was radically unselfish. That makes sense, though, because we all know human nature. We all want to keep what we have. I don't know anyone who grew up thinking or practicing that they'd like to share their toys, right? I was an only child, didn't have to do that, but my mom started babysitting. And all these stinking kids came into our families and they wanted to play with my toys, and I did not like to share that. That's just how we are, though. That's just who we are, our nature. So it's no surprise that people, especially with a lot of stuff, they've got a lot to give away. And that's hard, right? We want to hang on to it. And that's why they dislike Christianity. Look, there there are a lot of people in the church even that want to hang on to everything because they find their peace in their bank account. They put their trust in their bank account. And they can't share that because doing so would cause them to to lose that. They can't put their faith in Jesus Christ and trust him to provide that peace for it. So they hold on to it because if they don't have that, what are they going to put their trust in? But it wasn't even possessions that we're talking about. It also says in verse 44 that the believers were together. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. For some of you, this probably sounds great. I know some of you love getting together with, with your families and everything like that and you know the whole eating aspect. Myself, I'm, I'm more on the introverted side, so this does not sound very appealing to me, but think about the lack of privacy that would be going on with this. And they were willingly giving that up remember who this is to as well right who are the people that are getting together the church was born during this festival where there would be pilgrims from all over the world coming there jews and gentiles who had been brought in right they spoke different languages they were from different cultures for some the only thing that they had in common was this jesus christ now And people were led to open up their houses and meet together regularly to encourage one another, to fellowship, right? They're doing this despite their cultural differences. They're doing this despite probably being able to communicate well together. There is no Google Translate back then. Side note thank you, Lord, for the picture of this, right, that we have in our very own church. Thank you, Lord, for bringing people in under you, an opportunity to experience what the first church experienced. Ismuth and Franz invited us to come over to eat, put on a huge feast, right? And though communication was a little bit difficult we had howard and nancy there to help us out right it was a beautiful time a beautiful gift right are we willing to open up and do life together i i see some of that devotion in this church and those things happen happening. I see some radical unselfishness, willing to give our privacy away, willing to give up our Saturdays, right? Willing to get emotionally involved with people, willing to share our money, willing to share our our homes and create this community, this family. And I pray, I pray that each and every one of you in here has that small group of people that you can lean on that you can do life together with, because it is life-changing. Well, okay, well, that's great, but was really this so different than what was around them? Yes. Kenneth Scott LaTourette, who was one of the great historians of the early church, he, he was trying to understand this, and he puts this essay together of why Christianity was so different than the cultures around it. He, and he makes a list He says this, quote, More than any of its competitors, Christianity attracted all races and classes. Judaism never quite escaped from its racial bonds. Christianity, however, glorified in its appeal to Jew and Gentile, Greek and barbarian. The Greek and Roman philosophies never really won the allegiance of the masses. They appealed primarily to the educated the morally and socially cultured, while Christianity drew the lowly and the unlearned, yet also developed a philosophy of its own which commanded the respect of the educated. Christianity was for both sexes, whereas its main rivals were primarily for men. And the church welcomed both rich and poor. And here's his conclusion. Glouderet says, no other religion took in so many groups and strata, and strata of society. The question must be raised, why this unprecedented comprehensiveness came to appear first in the world in Christianity? That's a great question that I want us to focus on. Why did this unprecedented, unthought of way appear first in Christianity? Great question. It's hard for us to really get today. It's hard for us to understand and and to notice the drastic difference that Christianity was to to that culture at that time because we base it on our culture. And our culture is largely influenced, even still today, by Christianity. So it makes it hard for us to see right that this isn't just the normal. This is something special built on Christianity, right? Gone away from it but we still see the remnants of that. The cultures back then, though, were radically different, and sometimes we get a glimpse of that. We, we see over in the, in the Middle East, right, we see women who can't go to school, women who can't vote, women who can't own property, and we start to understand why Christianity was so radically different. We think this is normal, but this is birthed from Christianity. Historians will tell you that the idea that you should love your enemies instead of killing everybody that wrongs you, the idea that you should forgive indefinitely, the idea that you should reconcile with people and make that the first response instead of taking revenge, these things all came from Christianity. No other culture, no other religion produced that. Other religions will talk about care for the poor, but Christianity took that to a whole different level. It's unprecedented. Christianity was essential in the creation of hospitals and put them into place. Christianity birthed orphanages and invented ministries to the poor. Also, the idea of universal human rights, right? That human being, no matter what race or class, no matter how strong or weak, no matter how rich or poor, no matter how physically capable or disabled, is this idea that people all have worth, that people all have value. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. That's Christianity's influence. These are the things that historians tell us and largely agree on, not any other culture or religion, but it's just everyday stuff for us. It's what we expect. But it was radical back then. And they took it far beyond what we take it today. When earthly missionaries went out and talked about loving your enemies and forgiving people and caring for the weakest members of society, they, they went to the Greek and Roman elites like Lucian of Samosata, as well as the tribal chiefs and, and, and kings of pre-Christian Europe. And when these people heard these ideas, they said, that's crazy. There is no way that this will ever work. A society based on Christian ideals is doomed to fall apart. For them, societies were based on strength and respect. And they said, what would happen if people saw our leaders forgiving people instead of punishing them? They said everything would fall apart. Nobody would respect that. The strong ones are the ones who need to rule. That's the nature of things. The strong eat the weak. That's how societies remain stout. That was the thinking back then. Survival of the fittest. These Christians are nuts. These Christians are crazy. All people have dignity? Practice forgiveness? Love your enemies? Live a life of unselfish service? Everything sounded weak. Everything sounded unrealistic and crazy to them, but Flash forward to today and what we enjoy, right? They make sense to us, but they came from Christianity. Hopefully we're getting a sense of how drastically different Christianity was to the societies in this time, and hopefully we're reminded of that. But, But why? Why were Christians this way? Why did they do this? It's simply because that's what our God modeled to us. Right? That's the example he set. When, when Jesus was about to die, right before that, he, the day before that, he prayed a prayer in front of his disciples. And one part of it went like this. Praying to the Father, he said in John seventeen, eighteen through 19, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. The, the word sanctified here is, is, is saying, it means I devote myself. You sent me into the world, Father, to give myself away so that they too may give themselves away. That's the call on our lives. That's what he did. That's what he calls us to do, right? When, when Jesus was born into this world, when he left all of his greatness, all of his power behind He was giving himself away. He was devoting himself. He was emptying himself of all his glory so that we could become beautiful, right? He was becoming of no reputation so that our names could be written in heaven with God for all eternity. He was rejected by everyone so that we could be reconciled and loved by God and live with God and others forever, right? Because he took the punishment that we deserved for our selfishness. No other God or no other philosophy has ever claimed that God came and gave himself away. But Jesus is the only begotten son of God right he came from the father out of the father and because of this he has the same essence as the father he's God that's why the father shares his glory with him because he was the son of God the idea that God would come and become weak to put on flesh to to die to atone for our sins it's radical and it changed everything when, when Christians really understand this and start practicing it themselves, it brings ideals into the world like we see hints of, ideals that nobody would think of or thought of, right? And it produces amazing things. If you lay down your glory like Jesus does, that means you get involved with the poor because you're not above them, right? You become unselfish and willing to share your things with other people. You you lose the condescending attitude, right? There are irritating people out there. There are foolish people in the world. (laughs) There are people that if you know will be of no help to you right, will not add anything to your resume. They will not open any doors for you. There's no good reason to be a part of their lives because they don't add anything. But if you have the scent of Christ on you and you realize the descent that he made for you, right, you will gladly be a part of their lives, when we realize the heights that he came down from, that willingly traveled from, in light of that, we'll never be condescending to anyone. His example changes everything. How we treat people we dislike, the people who have the wrong political views, the people who have the wrong denominational views, the people who have the wrong cultural views, the people who have the wrong religious views, Right? If you know what Christ has done for you, if you see him dying on the cross for you and praying, Father, forgive them, even as people mock him and kill him, there's no way we'll hang on to any of that garbage. It's going to radically change how we live. We're going to want to lay down our lives We're going to want to lay down our glory. We're not going to worry about saving faith, right? We're not going to worry about our appearance with the world. When you have a disagreement with somebody, because you laid down your glory, you're not going to need to be right. You're not going to need them to apologize and recognize how right you were and how wrong they were, right? Now, because Christ came And now, because you're a completely different person, you don't need that anymore. You'll lay your glory down. You'll lay your pride down in the face of God, right? What would happen if we truly lived that out? What would happen if we lived that out in this community What would happen if we lived that out in our marriages, right? I have been thinking about that. What if pride didn't get in the way of us saying we're sorry? I was telling the the Sunday school class that sometimes as a dad, I believe I'm right, but I say things in a wrong manner, in a wrong, hurting way. What if we were willing to go to our kids and say, I'm sorry, that was totally wrong how I expressed that. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to get, right? What if we did that, though? What if we laid down our glory, our pride? It would change everything. What if we came together and did that as a, did that as a church community? What if we did that not only for each other, but if we, what if we did that for people out there? What if we radically did it? What if we were willing to sell our homes, to sell our property, to downsize our houses, to give vehicles away? What would happen? That's what we're called to. It would change everything. Some of you might be skeptical. Like, I don't know if I truly believe these ideals came from Christianity. Check it out, right? Historians largely agree about this and point this out. But I would challenge you with this thought. Where then did these thoughts come from? Right? I mean, do you think somebody just sat around saying, I think we need to be nicer to people. I think we need to be the nicest people the world has ever seen. Let's forgive people that hurt us. Let's forgive people as they're killing us, as they're persecuting us. No human beings would ever come up with this. It goes completely against our nature. It points to that there were people who saw a God modeling this and they took that on. They saw a God giving himself away. A God who changed people's lives and called them to live this way. That became their way of life. You might say that's a great way to admire that, but I don't want all this Christianity stuff. Let me tell you this. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, that he came to earth, if you you believe that this world is just here by chance, by accident, and you're just a, a product of random forces, right? I'm sorry. You are never going to be able to live this way as the early Christians did. Not for any length of time, right? Because you'll have no good reason to do it when it gets really hard. And it will get really hard, right? You can say, I'm going to forgive people, but when terrible things, horrible things are are done to you, you will not have the strength or power to do that apart from him, apart from being born again, apart from being filled by the Spirit of God. Why would you, right? You'll be ruled by your human nature, and human nature does not want to forgive. It calls for vengeance. It calls for you to lift your glory up among people. If you're a Christian, will you look at the kind of church this was and ask yourself if that's the kind of church you want to be a part of? I do. I want to be committed to that. I want us to be committed to that. Look at the balance the devotion that they have, and let that challenge you, right? They they follow the apostles' teaching, the word of God. Are you following the word of God? Are you making the word of God available to you? You're here, so you're doing that, but what about other opportunities, right? Are you coming to Sunday school? Are you coming to a small group? Are you starting a small group? Are you doing it with your family? Maybe you're doing it with your family. That's awesome. Are you devoted to it? If you're just coming one day to it, Is that devotion? Or are you in it? Are you reading it every day? Are you making it a part of your life? Right? They had dynamic worship, praising God all the time. They had intimate fellowship, breaking bread with each other. Are we doing that? They had radical, relentless evangelism every day. God was bringing people to them, people were being converted. And they were giving themselves away for not only their brothers and sisters, but for the people out there. Is that the church we want to be today? I pray it is. I don't want to be concerned with just this building. I don't want us to think that just coming to church is all there is. I want us to impact the societies, the cultures. I want us to see cultures change because people are brought in relationship with him. I want to see us in a school systems. Who's called to start a a Bible study in the schools? Who's called to start a Bible study at their work? We can't just be about bringing people in here. That's great. We've got to go out there, though. We've got to interact with society, and let God use us to what he calls us to do. Amen? A spirit-filled church will do all those things. But you will not be spirit-filled unless you surrender every part of your life. You've got to lay it all down. Your pride, your desires, everything. That's when the Holy Spirit fills us. And that's when we're truly changed and sanctified and set apart and devoted for his work. Are we willing? Are we seeking that? Are we devoted to these things? Today's church membership, we're gonna bring people up here in a minute and we're gonna ask them if that is their focus, if they'll join us in this. And those of you who are members, will you be reminded of it? Will you be reminded of the vows that you took? And those of you who aren't church members, would you pray, is this a church that I want to be a part of? And commit to it. Amen. We're missing two that we're taking in two kids. One's got a really horrible excuse, a Bible quizzing thing going on at another church, you know, and, and, and then the other one is, uh, is working, so can't be with us. But um, I think we're blessed. I think we're blessed at what God is doing for us, and, and who he's bringing into our church family, into our church fellowship, and I'm excited for that. All right, I, I've got a charge for you. As we saw in, in Acts 2, that passage that we said, this is an image of the church that we want to be, right? Jesus Christ is the head, has to be the head, has to be the one that we follow. He has to direct our paths, right? Our, our motto is, we were once friends, but now our family and we're on a great mission. I truly believe that. And I truly hope that you experience that. I, th- I think we got the first two parts down. We'll, we need to do better about the mission part. We do that by being devoted to the things that we read about today, right? Let us be devoted to the word of God. We should strive to read it and to apply it On a daily basis, it needs to be a foundation of our of our houses, of our lives. Right? Let us be devoted to fellowship. We're we're told to not give up meeting together. Are you devoted to that, or are you just devoted on certain days when certain people are teaching or preaching, or when you feel like it? We need to be divided to this. Not not making coming to church a priority, making being the church a priority. Let us be devoted to each other. Let us break bread in our homes. Let us invite people over and do life together. This is an area that I need to grow in, right? We should care for each other. We should lift each other up. We should be contacting people when we know they're going through things. We should be holding up burdens. We should be holding each other accountable when we see things happening, right? Let us be devoted to prayer. Let us be lifting each other up. Let us be lifting up the ministries of the church. Let us be crying out to God to save our friends and our family. Let us pray for opportunities to join Him in the faith, in faith and with courage and wisdom that comes from Him. Let us remember God's mission to us to make disciples. Let us sacrifice financially for it. Let us be faithful to use our time, our gifts, and our talents. And finally, let us listen for God's call on our lives. He will call us, and when he does, let us join in in what he's calling us to do. Let us be people who are bold and step out in faith. Amen? That's the charge I give you. That's the charge I remind you of. The the privileges and blessings that come from a, a community in him, a church of Jesus Christ, are amazing and are special. They're sacred, though, and they're precious. There is a hallowed fellowship. There is care. There is concern. There is counsel that is not known anywhere else but in the family of God. There is godly leadership With the teaching of the word of God, there is the inspiration of corporate worship, right? Where we bow down before him. Together, we can collectively accomplish what others can't in him. The church is God's plan to continue the work that Jesus Christ started. He's called us into the ministry of reconciliation. Let us be reminded of that. To the people entering the church, I, I have some questions for you. And today I ask you to affirm that you want to be a part of this great mission with this particular body. If that's your desire, and Howard's going to say this in a minute here, but if that's your desire, would you say right now, I do? I do. We believe in one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we believe that human beings are born into sin and choose to sin, that we need to repent, that we're called to live a different way. We believe that we need to accept the gift of grace, accept forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and we believe that we are born again through the Holy Spirit. We believe after that that there is growth, that we are called to mature, that there is a deeper work of of heart cleansing or entire sanctification through the filling of the Holy Spirit and that to each of these works of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return one day, that the dead shall be raised and that all shall come before judgment with its rewards and punishments. Do you heartily believe these truths? If so, answer, I do. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you believe that he saves you now? If so, say, I do. Last question. Will you follow Jesus Christ in all that he asks you to do? If so, say, I do.
2: Howard. Howard. So, yeah, after I la here, i moi translate moi for you. So, I want you to understand Acts 42, it's a good image la the là that we wanted to be. Jesus Christ is the chief of the church that we wanted to follow. We always me y a nous ces familles sou yon gwo mission. Sa, se sa, nous mande mam, nou yo. Suive pa wo bondye, nou ta dwè fe e fau pou li li pli e li chaque yon fondation pou la vino. Nou tout bezwe, yon lat e nou ta dwè vle, la l'eglise chaque dimanche, we have to talk to you with yo. and we have to gros party the church. We have to wrap up the bread We have to epi each other to We have to pray for pray for Nous vous demander bon Dieu pour courage donc nous qu'a fait toute bagali mandé nous fait songe grand mission pour fait disciple c'est pour nous fait sacrifice financier pour si porter ça c'est pour nous rester fidèle fidèle na itilizas yon tan nou ka dou ak talan nou yo Finalement, alma nou tadwe seji pou bon di epi koute ak bon di li pral relene nou a pe li led li fesa nou bizwe repan se sa mande ou fè mwen vwa ou sonje sa nou gen privilèj ak benediksyon ansanm ou pa ka joine lat cote Nous toutes ces familles n'accords chris là. Nous gagne dirigeants qui suivent bon dieu. Ensemble, nous cafés sa bon dieu, bon dieu mandé, nous fait. L'église là, c'est plein bon dieu. And we have to continue minister Jésus <laughs> Christ and to commence. We have to reconciliation. Today, I ask you to that you a mission with God. you d'accord, Jeudi a mandeu pour affirmer doctrine <inaudible> ac practically glésio glésio nu que non yo sel bon papa petite ca son l'esprit saint. christan nu que monde fait na péché et pe choisi péché nous veux grand panti et accepter pardon a travers Jésus-Christ, <coughs> nous fêtions l'autre fois à travers l'Esprit Saint. Nous qu'est après ça, nous grandis, travaillons l'Esprit Saint en nettoyant nous, et nous vînons remplis avec l'Esprit Saint. Laisse arriver nous témoins, travaillons l'Esprit Bondier. Nu kwe not ye to the world. muri yo not survive. Everyone arrives in a punishment. que a penis I read that book. kwe it possible to get a chance to get a C'est moins d'accord. Moi d'accord. question. Est-ce que nous voulons suivre Jésus-Christ dans toute Salimandeo? Si nous d'accord, répond moi d'accord. moins d'accord. Eh bien, c'est privilège moins pour un na l'église là. Welcome, everyone. Welcome.
0: Could you pass those out? In a minute, I'm going to invite you guys up here. Uh, uh, It is my privilege to welcome you now as as members of the Church of the Nazarene, the Willard Church of the Nazarene. I want you to know that we love you, that we're here for you. You've now got a crazy uncle type person that's a little bit weird in your life uh, officially, but um, I really mean it when we say that we love you. And if you need anything, we're here for you. This is, a, this is a covenant that we enter into. And I want to invite you to all be a part of that by, by coming up here and welcoming these people and loving on them and telling them you're glad they're here. Would you do that with me?